Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University, class of 1985. My great pleasure to be back with you again this morning. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you as I utilize the information we provide to you this morning and to take full accountability for the decisions you make and the resulting outcomes. And one of the goals of our show, thank God for Monday, is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time, the period of September 15 through October 15, 2022 which has been designated National Hispanic Heritage Month 2022. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. His name is Dr. Miguel Martinez Sainz. Dr. Miguel is the president of St. Francis College in beautiful Brooklyn, New York. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, President Miguel. Hey, thanks. Good to see you. Good to see you, brother. Great. Love to be here. Happy to be here on, our, on the show and uh, looking forward to the conversation. Oh, that makes two of us. The honor is all ours. Certainly. Sadly, we've only got 30 minutes. We're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool because, President Miguel, you have quite, quite an incredible story. What have been some of the highlights of your journey to get to the presidency of St. Francis College? Well, hey, I don't know where to start, uh, brother. It, you know, it's this interesting thing. I was talking to students um, this past week and, and really telling them, you know, things are often not what they seem. This is one of the things I like to talk about. And, you know, I do some spoken word and, and um, get him to understand, you know, everybody's journey is different. And we like to make assumptions of how people ended up where they ended up. And, and my journey, in my view, would be fairly idiosyncratic in terms of getting to the presidency and, you know, again, there, there's so many places I could go. I just want to put in context something that I think is important that, that maybe a lot of people don't know. Right? My, uh, my parents are refugees from Cuba. They came in uh, 1961. It was the last set of visas that came out when Castro took over um, at, uh, in Cuba. My grandfather, a lot of people don't know this, was the president of the National Bank at the time. Um, wow. Interesting. Interesting things that go on there um you know i just want to give you this highlight he actually was instrumental in finding a 1930s dictatorship in cuba was instrumental in writing the 1940 constitution in cuba um and I, you know i learned a lot of this um really when my father died i learned most of it but i knew i knew it but i just didn't know to what extent so, you know, it, it's been interesting given what, what I've done. The other thing, which I just give you a sense, that's, that's, that's my father's side. On my mother's side, my um, uh, grandfather was an accountant. Ah. When he came to the United States, came to Miami, 
they helped start a college in Miami, Biscayne College, um, which was the Lasallian Brothers, now St. Thomas University. Sure. And he was a he was a professor of accounting there. But here I'll give you an interesting thing. These are just anecdotes that that it's just wild the way the universe works. I was on a curriculum review committee at an institution some time ago, one, uh, an institution I worked at. My grandfather, looking through his books, was on a curriculum co- co- uh, review committee when he was a professor at an <laughs> institution. So I think, look, background context is important, right? We're, we're, uh, we come at this, at this world differently. In terms of my, my way to the presidency, Look, you know, I, I told these young people I was talking to a new school in Bed-Stuy and I said to them, to, to the young women, it's a it's a it's a, a school for girls. I said, I still trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And they said, that can't be true. You're the president of a college. Sure. But you know what I what I believed. And I still believe I believe that. I have an ability to connect the Croc stakeholder groups. I do that in the classroom in, in some ways and. You know, I believe that we need to use that for the good, right? And I think I've been blessed. Um, I've made significant missteps in my life. And there were people in my life that were able to enable me to get up. I needed to have the courage to get up, but I needed a, right. a group of folks that supported me. And I've always believed firmly, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. I believe that just fundamentally. So as, you know, as I moved through, I had a lot of fits and stops and starts and, other things, but you know, the big thing really that that changed me and moved me in the direction of an educator. And I like to say this, brother, I believe I'm an educator doing administrative work. And so in my heart, I'm an educator. Wow. You know, and I think that we can't lose sight of that when we move into administrative work. And this is one of the reasons the work we've done at the college since I've arrived is you put students at the middle, at the center, if you're about education, right? And I understand, I'm not naive, brother, you know this. This is a business, right? We have revenues, we have expenses, make sure we manage them. But if you you keep your heart and spirit centered in the work, you know, it makes the other part of the work easier, um, right? In terms of having to deal with it. So, Look, I, 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 I didn't expect to I just give you the sense real quick. I know we're, we're quick, but I want to give you the sense. I was actually tricked into getting into administration uh, <laughs> by, uh, by somebody. I was supposed to go on sabbatical. I'll just tell you real quick. But again, you just never know when the doors open. And sometimes they open and we didn't expect to walk through them. But we walked through them and, and one doesn't know. But um, I was supposed to go on, on my uh, sabbatical. I was tenured. And the provost there at the university at the time asked me to do something. And he said, look, just do it. You do it for three years. I'll let you bank credit for your next sabbatical. And we just want you to help us out. And I thought, okay, I'll do it. And then, you know, I I realized, interestingly enough, that I could contribute in a way that I hadn't thought I could contribute before. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And that started my journey. I mean, it really started my journey into the administrative realm, always believing firmly that I was an educator on loan. Right. So I'm a teacher on loan to the administration. And as you know, that's why I continue to stay in the classroom. That's why I continue high schools. That's why I teach in correctional facilities, because I believe fundamentally I've been called right to to be an educator, um, no matter what work I'm doing. And so, you know, again, um, I don't know, idiosyncratic path, maybe to the presidency. I'll say this as, as your viewers think about 
this work and the work you're doing for hopefulness. Um, one of the things I always think this may this may sound odd. You can you can certainly tell me it is odd, and no, it sounds odd. But I, look, I always think that we have to have some level of of um, reluctance to the work we do. And and what I mean by that is that, it, given my role as president, I have to sometimes call into question whether I should be in the role. And I think that if I do that, I think I orient to the work differently. If I'm too enamored with my role, right, I become seduced by the trappings. But if you if you don't get seduced by the role, I think you're able to keep your feet on the ground. And so I always like to tell people, it's okay to be somewhat ambivalent, not fully ambivalent, but some ambivalence, as long as you know that you're doing what your heart is calling you to do. So for me, as I told you earlier, very long kind of winded ways, I feel, I feel like I'm an educator, right? I feel that's what, I, that's what I'm, I'm to do. And so, but I also think that I can contribute to the world as an administrator. And so, you know, I try to balance the, the kind of healthy tension as opposed to just imagining that there's no other thing I could be in the world but a college president. I don't think that's true. I don't know if that was helpful. Uh, very, very much so, certainly. Now, St. Francis College is one of the oldest Catholic Franciscan colleges in America. What do you see at St. Francis which makes it such a great Catholic Franciscan college? Yeah, look, you, uh, I didn't say this, but uh, my favorite saint, uh, and I'm not in a minority here, there are a lot of people whose favorite saint is St. Francis, but I remember... Uh, still, and, and uh, my parents who both passed would probably recall, when uh, I was at St. Brendan's in Miami, we went to something, I went with my parents and my brother to a documentary on St. Francis. Oh. Uh, I was in uh, sixth grade, and my teacher there, Miss McNulty, still remember her name, encouraged me to go. It was something that was done outside of school, was through the church, and we didn't you know, we didn't have catechism because we were in a Catholic school. So this whole thing that public schools that came on Saturday, we didn't do that because we had it throughout the day. Sure. But we decided to go to this uh, documentary on St. Francis. I don't recall the talk back. There was a priest that led it and I don't remember who it was. But I remember talking to my parents about Francis choosing to live that life because I think it's important. He chose to live the life. Yes. I tell young people all the time, I use this expression, uh, you have the opportunity to choose to live the life that you want to live. The question is, are you going to have the courage to make a choice? Mm. You know what I mean? And, and for me, I saw that choice complicated. I didn't understand it. You know, I was but 11, 12 years old. So I, I was trying to wrestle with it. But it always seemed to me that we had to... Uh, see it as exemplary, right? Um, and I think, I just underscore that. The reason I met St. Francis uh, is because when I was engaged by the search firm, uh, I like the, I, I think colleges should be in urban centers and I think they should serve and tend to the underserved. But the, the Franciscan element is what brought me. Without the Franciscan element, I'm gonna tell you, brother, I wouldn't have considered the job. Wow, that's awesome. And the, and the reason, and here's to your question about the greatness, one of the things that I've always liked about the Franciscans is um, 
the 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 orientation to the dirt right humility is grounded in the dirt right that's what it right and for me that was always i didn't know anything about claire until i arrived here then i studied about claire but i knew saint francis and for me it was the orientation it was always to be grounded in the dirt you know and that meant that you cannot unlike some of our other catholic friends sometimes that and I'm, this isn't to denigrate or cast aspersions but they tend to an elitism that I think is not what we've been called to, right? Mm, been exactly. To, to be of service. Um, and I think that for me, that's, a, that's something important. One of the things that I think we do exceptionally well, people like to say we all do it. And I use this expression, brother, we're a, we're a college rooted in community. And one of the things I think I've added value, you can tell me if this is true or not, I've always believed that this college, independent of my knowledge, but when I arrived, we had our doors open. We were committed to inclusion, to notions of hospitality in a, in a rooted radical sense, right? A lot of people don't realize radical, it means root. It's the rootedness of what we do. But one of the things that I think, and this isn't a criticism, is that I, I told the team, we need to be going into community and walking people into our space because simply having the door open, right? People's lives are complicated. They're not sure what we do. They're unclear that we should be in the space. Is the space for me, is it not? The only way to allow people to know that the space is a space that welcomes them is to go to where they are, hold them by the hand and walk them into the space together. And I think that's one of the ways that I think we've taken this kind of rootedness in the, in the dirt and, and, and really, you know, magnified that value, right? And I don't think that's, you know, somebody once told me, well, we're, we're not supposed to promote what we do. We're Franciscan. And I said, <laughs> oh, my Saint goodness. Fr right. St. Francis had a pretty big following, friends. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it is the case that we do that by living in the world in a particular way. But you have to be proximate. There's a, there's a guy, Brian Stevenson, and I think we're doing this even better today um as a community he says that you know he does work in um in um criminal justice he's uh he works on capital punishment i don't know if you know the name brian stevenson he's written a a marvelous book about his work called just mercy i'm sorry i haven't i recommend this to to all the people but he says to be a change agent you have to be willing to get proximate and you have to be willing to get close and contiguous and so what i always tell folks if you think you're being of service, you have to be close enough to smell somebody, right? To, to, to feel the texture of their life. You can't do it at a distance, right? You can't do it, you know, sending them emails. You have to get into their environment. So I think one of the things that we continue to do, and, and I think are doing it somewhat better with some of the leadership that we have in place, I go into communities, but others are doing it, right? It, it's, it's a combination is that we're, we're making plain how committed we are to be a place where everybody feels they belong. That's what I think of, is great about our place. No question about that. And as you said, you've done a fabulous job going out and bringing in, holding people's hands and bringing them right to 179 Livingston Street. So uh, thank you again for all you've done for us uh, these last several years that you've been our great president. 
Now, it's interesting because uh, this past week was Claire and Francis week here at St. Francis College and the Feast of St. Francis a couple of days ago. So this interview is so timely, not only from a National Hispanic Heritage Month uh, process or basis, but the fact that uh, Franciscan week just happened. And I'm so happy to share with our listeners that there is a groundswell in the world of Franciscans to make Francis the focus of an entire month. So to make October actually Franciscan month. Mm. So we're well on the way uh, to that. Uh, let's shift gears if we can, uh, President Miguel, because we want to talk naturally about National Hispanic Heritage Month. What does this month mean to you, President Miguel, please? Yeah, so the audience will know that this is not uh, scripted. Um, this is a complicated a month in my view. Let me let me tell you what I mean by that, brother. Please. I think we need to be inclined to celebrate um, difference. You know, I think you know me well enough to know yeah. that. My, my challenge sometimes with the months that we have, you know, designated months is I, I tell people I'm very, I'm impossible on this. You know, when I get called to go speak for Hispanic Heritage Month, I say to them, well, would you like to have me come in March? And they say, well, that's not Hispanic Heritage Month. Oh, wow. And so one of the things I worry sometimes about these months is that we allow, and I know you're not this way, but I'm saying we allow tokenism to be manifested, right? Oh. So February, we invite African-Americans to talk, but we don't invite them throughout the year. Mm. And so for me, look, I'm not so crass as to not go to talk in these environments. But I also push, even in the talks that I give, and I'll give a couple of talks this in the next couple of weeks at different corporations where we have partnerships, they've asked me to come talk to their teams. But I will problematize it to say, from the lens of the people you're celebrating, if they don't see a commitment across 12 months, right, they see you as tokenizing their folks. So for me, I. I have a, a certain sense, which I, I like the idea that we uplift, um, but I also have a sense that sometimes we use it as an excuse only to, right? Oh, wow. In, in, these, in, these, in these folk. It's, and look, I want to say this. I'm very proud of where I come from. I'm proud of my family and, and our heritage. You know, uh, I'll tell you, this will sound weird. When I went to Tallahassee, uh, Florida, to go to, to Tallahassee Community College, I mean, I have people that I met say, where you, you grew up under a rock? And I said, no, I didn't grow up under a rock. But in part because, you know, when the Cubans immigrated to the, to the U.S., they, in, in three years, there were a million Cubans that came to the U.S. Wow. You know, you're talking probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 700,000, 800,000 landed in Miami. Wow. So when I went to school, brother, you don't know this. I don't think I've ever shared this story. I mean, we maybe had in our elementary, St. Brendan's Elementary, we maybe had 10 or 15 non-Cuban families in the whole school. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. So, so, I mean, I can name some of the American people, right? Most of us were the sons and daughters of Cuban refugees, wow. right? So the only thing I knew about the world, you know how it works, we become very parochial. And mm -hmm. so... 
I thought this is how we all lived. But in fact, and we, you know, my dad was working to try to keep us together. So we didn't travel or anything extensively. We stayed in our community. When I went to high school, maybe out of, you know, 1,200 students, there were 30 families that were non-Cuban. Wow, that's amazing. So my interaction was quite closed. And when I went to Tallahassee, you know, even eating and things was was very different. So I want you to know that even though I complicate the question, I'm, you know, I fully embrace where I come from. It's 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 impacted me in, in, in some in some beautiful ways. And and I think that, you know, my contributions in a space where I'm not the majority um, enable us to create a beautiful tapestry. Right. So I'm I'm, I'm fully committed to, to that. Yeah, this show naturally airs on WSOU, Seton Hall Pirate Radio, but then is syndicated on our wonderful station, SFC Radio. I'm sure there are young people listening to us, uh, young Hispanic students from both schools. Uh, as a Hispanic member, Dr. Miguel, what advice would you have for Hispanic students, and maybe even other young students of color? Look, I think that uh, we can't ignore the realities that are sometimes real in terms of our encountering, right, a uh, kind of discriminatory gaze. You know, uh, you know, many times, I'm going to give you a silly example, and then I'll tell you what I, I suggest. You know, every time I go through TSA, almost every single time, I get called Michael Sanchez. Oh, you know? no. Yeah, so that's, that's obviously, you know, brother, <laughs> not my name, it's not even close to my name. But, you know, I remember the first time I went through my, my, with my wife, I told my wife, she goes, they can't call you Michael Sanchez, doesn't make any sense. And one day I was flying with her, you know, they don't always pull me aside, it just happens periodically. And they say, Michael Sanchez, is this your bag? And I say, yes, it is. And my wife looks over, I say, please don't say anything, okay? The <laughs> last thing I need to go is to the back room to be searched more fully. <laughs> so I say, can Michael Sanchez, can you come with us? Yes, can Michael Sanchez, please sit down. Michael Sanchez here, Michael said, Sa- yes, Michael, Michael Sanchez, you're free to go. What? I disappear, right? <laughs> so, you know, that's an ignorance that, whatever, sometimes you might react to it. So I understand that there is tension. I was on a job interview. I did exceptionally well. I came to find out, you know, a couple of the decision makers didn't like the fact that I was Latino, you know, it's real in the world. I'm not, I want to be clear, but I think there are ways for us to reflect into the world, a positivity that is not going to avoid all kind of negative, negative, right, energy. But it'll allow us to align ourselves with people that that want to uplift us. I like to use this expression sometimes of people, your negativity is bringing me down. So what I say to them is this, always to all young people, I just said it last week in this high school for girls, you got to surround yourself with people that are going to love you, right? And I always say to them, what I mean by love is people that are going to tell you when you're not doing what you ought to be doing and people that are going to hug you when you really need a hug. Mm. So, you know, surrounding yourselves with people that love you doesn't mean surrounding yourselves with people that always tell you what you want to hear. In fact, those people, in my view, don't love you. The people that love you are when if brother Greg needs to hear something, am I inclined to tell him something, even though it's going to be uncomfortable for both of us? Sure. That's what it means. But if I see that brother Greg is hurting, 
And all Brother Greg needs is somebody to say, hey, I'm here if you need me. And a little bit of a hug or a handshake. Then that's what I provide. Right. Because that's what it means to love another. And so that's what I would tell young people. Find those folks that love you really. And then the last thing is not the last, but it's one thing in this context. Have the courage to breathe your dreams into the universe. Oh. Because I always say to young people, if you keep your dreams to yourself, the universe doesn't know to give you the things that enable you to achieve your dreams. But if you breathe them into the universe, you'll be surprised. All of a sudden, somebody will appear that actually holds the key to you beginning a process or a journey. But most of us get nervous and we hold back, right? So I would say that two things. Find people that love you, right? Surround yourself with people that love you. And then breathe your dreams courageously out into the, into the universe so that the universe can give you what you need. Oh, that's so beautiful and so Franciscan. Sadly, Dr. Miguel, we've only got about four minutes, but I have a final important question I really want to ask you because diversity is a topic today naturally in everybody's mind and everybody's heart. You've shared some incredibly powerful reflections with the St. Francis community regarding racism. Do you want to talk maybe even about one step that you're very proud of the college is taking in the fight against racism? Yeah, look, I think we're doing a lot. First of all, I want to say one of the things that I love about, you know, embracing um, Franciscan is, is the recognition that all life has dignity intrinsically, right? And so we have to be uh, dignified towards everyone. I was talking to an elementary school group at Bay Ridge Catholic Academy, and I said to them, it doesn't cost you anything to be gentle and kind to other people, right? It's not a cost at all. And so I think that's the first step, right, is, is, is being that. I think the other thing from a racism is being curious. But I'll, I'll tell you a thing that I'm proud of that we did, and it's going to sound odd. We wanted to do, we have, as you know, a 65% of our students are BIPOC. And so we were questioning about the lectures that we do. Are they predominantly white, male, or whatever we do? We should just sure. celebrate diversity. And we discussed with the corporation about doing a series. Uh, and I said, listen, what I don't want is a series that says, you know, come listen to black entrepreneurs. Come listen to Latino entrepreneurs. I said, oh, no. wow. And I think this is a way to combat. Why? Because if you say that, you're flagging the adjective as important. And what I said is, no, bring entrepreneurs and do a panel of entrepreneurs. And if they happen to be black and brown, they're black and brown. Right? But you don't have to announce it because I don't say, hey, I'm bringing somebody to talk about St. Francis. Hear the white scholar talk about St. Francis. <laughs> you don't say that. So I think part of it is not ignoring that color still plays a role. But it's, it's also not, again, to use the expression, tokenizing it. We don't have to call attention. I don't say we're bringing a woman economist. No, we're bringing an economist. We're bringing a black woman economist. No, we're bringing an economist. That's the primary identity why she's coming, right? And it happens to be, in the case we brought Dambisa Moyo, she happens to be from Zambia and she happens to be a woman, right? And so that's where I think is important, as I like to say, I know we're closing. When I celebrate my Angelo, you know I recite poetry. I always say this, and people always say, why do you talk that way? I say, 
the great, one of the greatest American poets who happens to be a woman and happens to be black because she is undoubtedly one of the great American poets. No doubt. That's how I think we push against some of these things. Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, no question about that. Dr. Miguel Martinez-Signs, president of St. Francis College, we can't thank you enough for gracing the airwaves today of WSOU and thank God for Monday. Yes, we've been enlightened. You've given us a lot of nuggets this morning, but even more so, you've inspired us, really inspired us to open our minds and much more importantly, our hearts as we continue on with National Hispanic Heritage Month 2022 and Franciscan Month. Uh, 2022 as well. So we wish you continued success, joy, and great, great contribution to a world at St. Francis College and beyond, where you've made such an impact these last few years already, and we know you're going to continue to be making a great impact. So thanks again for being with us, our very, very special guest today. Thank you, Thank you very much, brother. Listeners, I just want to remind you that we love to hear from you. So whether it's TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, please don't hesitate to get to us ideas, questions, comments, concerns. We love your feedback because this show is for you. Uh, Dr. Miguel talked today about service. He serves so wonderfully the world in St. Francis College. We are here to serve you as well. So please give us feedback via that social media or email. Let us know how we're doing and how we can serve you better. Listeners, sadly, once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that when you wake up on Monday morning, just like President Miguel does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. Until next week for another episode of our show. Have a great week, everyone. Bye-bye.